Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Red Men podcast. It is Tuesday. It is the Tuesday after Liverpool scored some actual goals in an actual football match that mattered, um, but still didn't actually record a win. But we're feeling a little bit better about all that because... Well, actually, we're not, but we might not be. Um, let's uh, dive into it. This is uh, for the for a couple hundred people who won't be aware. This is our second attempt at all this. We had some absolute dynamite kangaroo chat to kick things off, uh, but we didn't get the the takes of 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 Chris and Emma. But we were asked for the kickoff question. Something we were told a kangaroo fact, which we'll go into in a moment. We will be talking about the United game again. Let's get that finally once and forever out of our system. We're going to be looking at Liverpool's upcoming fixture list and what it means with no FA Cup in there. Uh, a bit about Frankie Lampard being sacked as Chelsea boss uh, and then a little bit of a look ahead to Thursday's game against Tottenham Hotspur um Yes, uh, the FC Liverpool German Chris Stirrup uh, in our kickoff question section uh, sent in uh, the apparently it, it sounds very well uh, researched, so I'm going to trust it as a fact. Although you know it's the internet, so maybe not. He said apparently, in Australia, and also it's Chris Stirrupal. Yeah, and we know no, Chris Stirrup. We know Chris very well. Uh, he said apparently in Australia there are 48 million kangaroos, and in Uruguay there are 3,457,380 inhabitants. So if the kangaroos decide to invade Uruguay, each Uruguay will have to fight 14 kangaroos. Um, Chris, you've subsequently discovered that you don't. I mean, it's already if they if they if they decided to be a kangaroo uprising, mm-hmm. Australia's still a pretty a pretty dangerous place for them to be. I think so because there's only like twenty four and a half million people in Australia, so it's two to one on that continent. I'd be more concerned if I was Australian than Uruguayan, to be honest. And I was thinking about when you were talking about like what Liverpool plays and stuff like that would be good for it. I think the general rule of thumb here is if you actually want to win the war, you're gonna to have to have people that are good slide tacklers. And let me play this through because I want them to slide underneath them as they do their kangaroo hop and then attack with a sneak sneak strike from behind. So that's how I'm thinking we take them down. You're looking for some sort of pouch punch. Is that what you're going for? <laughs> no, I want them to I want them to slide underneath the kangaroo. The pouch is at the front, isn't it? So they'll be behind and then like a, a quick Right. Wow. For the wow. vast ma- for the vast majority of people who weren't here last time, just to clarify, because Chris might have sound like he's jumped the shark here, uh, and not just slid under the kangaroo. Uh, I did pose the question, and we we ended up on the question of yeah, if you had to create a team of players, uh, Liverpool players, to kind of defend the, the, a nation under attack from kangaroos, um, that's where we got where we, where we did get to this bed. Um, and we that's how desperate we got while they were muted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, we were looking at like some sort of expendable suicide squad style. You know, Liverpool players that you're not really that bothered. There'd be good value, and I think a bit like with Royal Rumbles looming, where you bring in some classics from the past, and if they don't win, then whatever. But you've either got, oh, remember him? 
Yeah. Nicky Sanna! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nicky <laughs> I think I think it's also key trying to get people trying to get players who you reckon just might be up for the fight mm. in terms of morons like Alberto Moreno. He'd be right up for it. You send him in and he just leads the charge and he's like the first guy the that first gets killed as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's the one. He's absolutely the guy who'd be on one of those like hoverboard things, wouldn't he? That he was famous for having and he would be going and he just he'd hit a rough patch of ground and he's trying yeah. to go, ah! and then he'd go boom and he'd fall off it like that old famous Darth Vader clip of a guy doing it and then they'd all pounce on him and pummel his face in to death and that'll be Alberto Moreno gone yeah. in the first he, 30 seconds of battle you know I'm his last sure. word that he'd be screaming would be vamos because <laughs> vamos! So they, they don't scream anything else on the continent like whatever language they speak they scream vamos yeah definitely have you made, made up for that and we mentioned before um, yeah in our previous attempt Lodis Carius I'd be bang up for seeing Lodis Carius because as I said I think there's a sliding slope to his career and there's probably a point where he's a bit like bro Thor from Endgame where you, you know you, you pull him out <laughs> and he's there and he's got his ears down down here and it's all plattered and matted. He's got this massive beer gut, but he's still quite pretty. And he got and you drag him into the battle, and it's like, oh, a lot of kind of maybe that's how he finally redeems himself. Maybe, maybe, although probably not. Or he just swings and misses. <laughs> just, the, the, you literally just need a load of absolutely mad bastards to just go in there. Like, I'm thinking like Ragnar Clavan, like, yeah, yeah, yeah those, yeah, yeah Sammy Huffier, Deep Mahaman, just all those kind of guys. And like, on Chris's point. Can you imagine if you had Lucas coming in with with a little sneak shot yeah. and then he just sort of comes around the corner and goes, unlucky, right in the kangaroo's little face and then carries on. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm here for all of that. Um, but yeah, you know, yeah, imagine imagine dropping like 48 million kangaroos on Uruguay just to go back, <laughs> just to, go back to it. Like, Social experiment, yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? COVID didn't wipe them out. I'm so. watching that movie, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I am. That's better than most of the shite that they've been getting wheeled out by Hollywood for a number of years. Um, I would love to see that. And as I say, it's those situations where you record, you have to recall all of your citizens. So like the idea of, of, of Cavani and Suarez being back to back on like a hilltop <laughs> and just like a, an army of kangaroo all running up towards them and like they do like a and Suarez goes and just starts diving is this, in. Is this, is, this an, is this an attempt that maybe stopping Man United from winning the league? Just you've got to you've got to send Cavani home. Calling Cavani. <laughs> yeah, because, sorry, sorry, Ollie, you got to go and fight the kangaroos. Yeah, yeah. My country needs me. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Um, right, so we had another kickoff question, an actual question uh, that came from Bonsai Bill. Did anyone ever complete a football sticker book, Chris Pajak? I don't think I did. To be honest with you, um, I, unless it was like um, maybe Euro '96 or something like that, one of the smaller ones. I don't think I ever completed like a Premier League one, uh, not footy anyway. Yeah, I'm pretty Did sure. You ever completed non-footy sticker book? <laughs> I, I don't know. No, I, I, it's, it's funny this because we, me and Ben were chatting briefly before. Emma, there's definitely a generational thing where stickers have become less and less of a thing. I don't think kids like the permanence of stickers. I think they like cards because they can throw cards yeah. about and swap them. Once it's something stuck in, it's stuck in. But I, I've been determined for like three years to just because compl- I, I can afford stickers or as many stickers as I want, <laughs> and no one can tell me I can't spend that money on stickers. And I've been <laughs> desperate just to finish one, just for the satisfaction. Um, but I've yet I, I can't even in a world where I can afford. A Basically infinite amounts of stickers. I haven't been able to do it. Have you ever? But have you, but has Emma Sanders ever completed a sticker book? 
I've not I've not completed one, but I came close when um in twenty eighteen for the World Cup, I broke my wrist like literally just before the World Cup. And my football editor, because obviously I was gutted that you know I couldn't it was like meant to be my first World Cup reporting at BBC. So I was really excited. So my football editor like drove me to surgery the next day and and he gave me like the sticker book. I thought he brought it, but it turns out he got it for free from Tesco, the little sticker. Little <laughs> um, anyway, so <laughs> uh, so I had that obviously to keep me occupied for like a few weeks before I, I could get back to work. So obviously I couldn't type, I couldn't couldn't do any of the work. So I got but like you could quite peel stickers. Yeah, well, it was really sounds kind of sus that Emma. It, it was really <laughs> difficult. It was quite funny. Like, yeah, there, there's a couple of pictures. If I had time, I, I, I'd show them. But like, yeah, they, they weren't very straight. But um, yeah, and then basically, as soon as I got back into work, I just sat like completely sacked it off. So I clearly don't have the mental determination to complete the sticker book. But I got far. Um, I do vaguely remember one year, so I, I think I finished one because I cheated because there was a way you could order like the last 50 stickers that you yeah. needed. And I, and I vaguely I remember, I think it might have been the 07, 08 season where we had the yellow kits, the, the yellow away kits. And yeah. I, I think I was missing that sticker. That was one of them. I, I don't know if it was cards or stickers, but I definitely did one of the two. God knows where that is now. But yeah. like now you brought it up and I've sort of thought about it. I'm pretty sure I cheated one year. Uh, yeah, that, that was. I, I was a kid. I always wanted to cheat. Could, but like again, you could try and tell your mum and dad that you had to post something off and get stickers. Well, no, I think my mum. I think my mum and dad just made me do it to shut me up because I wouldn't stop going on about these stickers. <laughs> <laughs> it was the opposite. <laughs> no, I completed Premier League '94, and it remains one of the proudest moments of my entire life. We're getting uh, yeah, David Hayes from Sheffield Wednesday. The last well, that was the thing about it is that there's no, it's not, there's not really a satisfaction of, of buying loads of stickers. You do need. There was the community of being in school and everyone being into it and everyone going in with their piles of swaps and all that kind of stuff. Mm. There's part of the part of the thrill of it all, but no, not, unfortunately not. Uh, I'm just a sad old man who buys stickers uh, at this point. Um, right, yes, um, we are going to uh, be talking about Liverpool United. We're going to be talking about the fixture list. Um, Chelsea, uh, the fact that Gerrard trended. <laughs> um Tottenham Hotspur and a, and a few other bits and pieces as well. And of course, if you've got any questions, if you're watching this live, uh, do send some in and we'll, we'll, we'll get through them if they're interested. And if they're not, we won't. Um, but yes, uh, we've got a, a, a little advert break. Uh, here's that. Hello, everyone. Mate here. Just wants to take a brief break to talk about our sponsored Manscaped. Uh, yes, if you want to keep your male grooming um, on point, uh, then do get involved with Manscaped. Now, I a tough conversation for a lot of people and maybe not one you want to have while you're having your breakfast for example but uh let's just say i had a, a rather tricky issue with, a, with with grooming and look let's just say we've all shaved let's just talk about shaving our face uh what's the worst thing that can sort of happen when you're shaving your face and look, let's be honest it's it's getting a little nick or a cut and that kind of thing now of course if you're doing grooming on other parts of your body that's just loads worse loads 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 worse um so yes uh manscape aims to make that a thing of the past to keep you uh, looking trim looking sharp without physically endangering important parts of your body and right now because of the sponsor with manscape uh, you can get 20 percent off using the code nuts off <laughs> that's all caps n-u-t-s-o-f-f um, go to manscaped.com get your 20% off and there's free shipping with that code um, yes get involved with Manscaped and be you know be smoother than you were with far less physical injuries sounds great to me it is you should get involved too 
Yeah, everyone, welcome back. Uh, yes, just want to say a big shout out to Odin uh, O'Brien, who <laughs> super chatted in, literally to say, this is absolutely ridiculous. Oh. Brilliant. Quality. Thanks so Top much, stuff. mate. That's brilliant. Uh, yeah, yeah, wicked stuff. Um, okay. I bet he's it. hopping mad, isn't he? Ah, oh, uh, no. I can see the comp turn. <laughs> <laughs> there. Oh, I'm God. taking at least 10 seconds. Oh my god! I had it, and I was like, I need to interrupt him, but I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dear lord. Um, okay, so Emma, um, yeah, the Man United game now—it's very much in our rear view mirror, and it, and it has to be for Liverpool. Um, still, plenty of things that I'm sure we could get, we could we we could get into, but we'd be repeating ourselves from the last month. Really, the thing that was encouraging, um, particular, I thought was I, I felt like Liverpool found. Their, their aggressive nature in, in attack and I think look Liverpool's defensive issues are what they are, they are they're either going to sign a centre-half or they're not um, I can't I can't do that conversation again but if Liverpool are going to get out of trouble and they're going to get themselves back on, on top then it's going to be down to the lads to just score some goals and at least we got that crumb of comfort from the weekend yeah, it looked like there was like snippets where Liverpool were actually enjoying playing football again. I think that's the main thing, isn't it? Um, I think that's what like the fans have missed is just seeing that expression and seeing that creativity. And um, I don't think we saw it for the full game, but I agree. Like there was certainly like periods in the game where, where we had that. And it was just good to see Salah. He looked, he looked really sharp. Um, he looked on top form. Obviously he was in the goals and um, I was, I'm struggling to remember the game, you know, I'm watching that much football at the moment. It's ridiculous, but um, yeah, I, I think, I think Liverpool just need to, they just need to relax. They just need to enjoy football again. I think that's amazing. Yeah, the Mo Salah thing, Chris, is is massive, isn't it? I mean, look, having your top goal scorer scoring goals is is good. It covers up a multitude of sins, doesn't it? It papers over a number of cracks when you've got a lad who can stick it away. And it was mad because... It's interesting. You pointed it out to us that Paul Tompkins has done a really, really interesting article on the, the Tompkins Times. I mean, Paul Tompkins doesn't do uninteresting articles on the Tompkins Times. I need to highlight that to everyone. I would highly recommend going and checking all of his stuff out. Um, but he makes he makes a very good balance point. And his points were almost undone on Salah because the point we've been making. Just shoot on your right foot every now and again, mate. And he did, and he took a really wonderful goal. And it was it, that was the perfect example of like a Mo Salah being back to being Mo Salah when he's not thinking about what he's doing. That's when he scores goals. Well, it's also, you know, for me, the first goal is classic Mo Salah. He's in behind. He doesn't have to take on players. Mm-hmm. You know, quite often we feed him the ball and there's three people in front of him and he's trying to, he does that little one where the Brazilians love it, don't they, where they put the foot on the ball and they roll it back and the drag backs and all that type of stuff. He does that. How often does that actually work? I mean, it, all, it always beats the first man but it yeah. never gets them past the seconds. It worked against like, Watford that time really well and against Spurs that one time. Yeah. And then since then, it's like, yeah, every well, time. That's it. Like, but, but, you know, I know he's going to do that. The lads who clearly study the game know that he's probably going to do that. He's going to attempt to get the ball, get him in behind. And that, that, was the, that was the thing. You know, Bobby Firmino had two choices there in the build-up to that first goal. He either plays it wide to Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's already fuming because he should have had the ball a little bit earlier before Bobby. Trent continues to make his run again but Bobby sees that Mo's got a chance to get him behind so he puts him one-on-one with the goalkeeper when he's one-on-one with the goalkeeper he doesn't miss those opportunities very often and he is able to take it and play on instinct and everything else that you've just mentioned there and the second one 
He's got space. He doesn't have to think about things, and he takes a shot early. He's brilliant in those situations. We've not played him in where he has to beat a man and, and slot it. It's it's about giving him no nothing to do other than put the ball in the back of the net, and that's what we were able to do, and we've not been able to do recently. Uh, exactly, and you know we were talking last week, Ben, in the build up to these sort of games, and saying you could do a lot worse than just put. Salah centre forward again for a bit because you know you want him on the end of stuff and when he but when he's like that it's actually it's a lot of it to do with his positioning it's a lot to do with how Liverpool build up but Salah's not been getting the ball between the sticks anywhere near enough or you know within within a reasonable you know proximity of either, of either post the most dangerous areas of the pitch now of course that's because the teams defend that really really well and, and certain teams defend it better than others but that's the that, that's what Salah is he's our he's our true instinctive finisher. Now you could like Origi might be a bit of that as well, but he's he doesn't possess any of the other uh, bits that we really need in what we do. That's going to be the thing with Salah. We need that the next couple of weeks, and I think we've all to some extent kind of thrown the baby out with the bathwater in the last month with regards to Liverpool's goal scoring. It was always gonna we were always going to score goals eventually because you don't get to but be the top so. well yeah, yeah but you don't get to be the top goal scoring team in the league and you don't have yeah. the top scorer in the league you know Salah's got what 19 goals I think in all competitions this season That's he's not crap and he's not become crap all of a sudden if he was going to click but what we need to do is we need him to continue to do that because that it's only a positive from United if you then carry it into the game after that and the game after that yeah and, so and, and, and you know we've got we've got a good run of fixtures here that even though they're tough games they they might actually suit us a little bit more if we're, mm-hmm. if we're playing game if we're playing teams that actually want to go toe to toe with us mm-hmm. and, and you know want to play us at football. Then you know that that their games where there might be a little bit more space for Salah. And I think the other thing is you know yeah he, he can be an instinctive finisher, but I think you know I don't think he's completely lethal. You know and I think maybe maybe that's maybe something that being highlighted more than ever at the moment is because we're not creating as many chances for him. Yeah. So whereas previously he'd stick one in four, one in five away in a game, doesn't really matter because he's getting his goal and we don't have to talk about yeah. it. But now we're only creating one or two chances for him. So if he's not putting either of them away, suddenly then it becomes a lot more yeah. of a big deal. It's a, it's a fine line between in, instinctive and lethal. And I think to yeah. be, to be yeah. lethal, you have to be instinctive and p- sort of programmed and trained mm. on, on top of that. And that, I mean, that's the good thing about, about him is that you, being instinctive is... It's better than nothing because it's all well and good being pre-programmed, but that means you need to be you need to be in certain a lot of situations and, and, and blah blah blah. Salah, I mean, a couple of goals he scored this season where it's just dropped to him and he's just smacked it really hard and it's just gone in. That's instinctive, um, yeah. and that's that that's the mark of a lad who's who's in his prime at the, at the absolute peak of his powers. But I agree with Ben. Liverpool need to give him continue to find the right kind of service for him, and if we continue to get the right kind of service to him, he, he'll score goals because he always has. Yeah, and I think it's a bit of self-confidence as well. Like he is probably one of the few players in the local team that will just hit anything because he genuinely believes that what he's hitting is going to go in. And I think that that's where it comes down to the to the number of chances because if you just sort of, I'm not I'm not saying that he, you know clearly he he means what, what what he wants to do, but I do think there are times where, like you say, I think he just he just has a go because he knows that he's in a good position, he knows the angle, he knows where the goal is. Um, but I think for, for that to work, you then, you know, you need a couple of hits at it. And I, I absolutely agree with Ben. I, I do think, I, I think Liverpool's best moments were actually when Firmino was creating yeah. and we haven't seen him create as much this season. And I think, you know, that's obviously not purely down to him. I think that comes from 
you know, the way that the ball is, is moved through midfield and the fact we haven't got Van Dijk giving out that distribution from the back and the fact that you're losing Fabinho, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think Firmino just seemed to, I, I mean, he, he worked his socks off the other yeah. day and I think he seemed to have a bit of confidence about him. There was there was a moment where he lost the ball and he chased, he chased back and, and he won it and it went out for a goal kick and then he just seemed to like run around a bit like, it was kind of like Andy Robertson yeah. against City when he made that run all the way back and it just seemed to burst Liverpool in for like 10 yeah. minutes. And like Firmino seemed to grow from that. And then because he was creating more, it had a bit of a knock-on effect for the other players around them. And then obviously we went and got the equaliser. And it was just, you know, I think last season we would have gone on to win the game. I think that's that's the difference at the moment is that even when Liverpool got the equaliser, you still felt they've not quite got that ruthlessness that, that they had last yeah, season. The, the Bobby Firmino stuff that I think is really interesting because, because that, Emma's dead right on that. But it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because we were saying about Bobby Firmino, I feel a bit like we go, right, Bobby, what more goals from you? And then he he, he plays a bit more selfish. And uh, and then we go, no, Bobby, no, be more creative. And then he goes back to being more creative. Mm-hmm. And then and then we go, no, don't, but, score some, but score some goals. That was Bobby Firmino not playing like a centre forward. That was Bobby Firmino playing like Bobby Firmino, like the creator, turn, turning around, looking at goal and looking for how he can get the ball in. And obviously go running around. Has, he did all of his best work outside the box, which is very, very Bobby Firmino. Um, and I, again, I, maybe it's one of those things where kind of, yeah, if we, if you had to choose, we'd always we'd always prefer the Bobby Firmino, I guess, or particularly right now, who's not banging, he's not going to score 15 goals a season, but provided, as long as Salah's scoring, and maybe Mane as well, I, I, we could probably just do with that Bobby Firmino playing for a bit. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, it's about how does he fit in with the midfield, Bobby Firmino, at the moment? Because the midfield's clearly changing because the defence is changing and everything else. And he needs to work out what that means for him. I'd just like to take it back to Mo Salah, if I, if I wouldn't, if you don't mind, gents, because I think Salah gets... And, and, you know, I've sat here and said this at the same time, is that, you know, he's probably not the most lethal of finishes. Ben's just said it then and there. But what we compare him to... I'm not sure. What we say is, look, he misses his opportunities. Every striker in the league misses opportunities. Every single one. Doesn't matter whether you're Jamie Vardy or not. The fact of the matter is that Mo Salah's got more goals than Jamie Vardy. Uh, he's got two more goals so far, and that entire team is pointed for Jamie Vardy to score goals and Leicester score goals. When you look at things like XG and stuff like that, Salah actually outperforms his XG uh, and he is outperforming his XG right now you know his XG is something like nine and a half goals this season he's got 13 in the Premier League so he is a lethal finisher what we what we aren't seeing is those really low percentage shots where he scored in his first season going in yeah. and I don't think that makes him a not lethal finisher yeah. it just means that the, the shot where it goes in 5% of the time now isn't going in he yeah. was given three opportunities at the weekend good opportunities Opportunities and he stuck two of those opportunities away. That, by any definition of looking outside of Liverpool, is a good striker and yeah. a good finisher. I'll stick with you on this for a second because I think it's it's in some regards it's a bit like when Henderson plays at DM is that Salad isn't doesn't fulfil that role in a way that we're used to. So we 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 stack him up up alongside like Owen and and Torres and Fowler who just looked. So they were just they were just silky forwards, and Salah isn't that is he? He doesn't look. He looks 
ungainly no. when he gets into those kind of positions. You know, I'll be mentioned the other day, he scuffs his shots, they come off, they bounce, they, they, they go in in really awkward ways a lot of time. And it's like Henderson sometimes with the, when he's playing in the DM. Our, our understanding is we go, we want to see big tackles and big, you know, big meaty performances. And Henderson never did that, but it didn't mean he wasn't very good at the role. And that's where Salad always kind of it feels a bit awkward because you, you're not. It's 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 a weird it's a weird analysis because you're dead right because how can we not class him as lethal when he scores more goals than anyone else and yet we all know what we mean yeah Yeah. because what what he doesn't do is put it into the side net and as he's rounding the keeper yeah what he does do is scuff it through the middle the net result is exactly the same (laughs) yeah it just Fowler looked prettier doing it yeah (laughs) you know and so in our head he's not a natural finisher I think that's a fair comment and a fair way of saying it but he is a finisher yeah it's just yeah it's just not a pretty finisher. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's right, and it? it's it, it is it's, it's an odd one, isn't it, Ben? Because and I I I, 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 I've been, I said this a couple of weeks back, or maybe it was a month or two back, that when you watch like the money ball thing and they go on about like players who don't who pass the like the eyeball yeah. test and players who look good, yeah. Salah doesn't look like a fit doesn't look like a finisher but he just is yeah. he's just the kind of guy that probably loads of people would overlook you'd choose a Vardy or you'd choose an Aguero over a Salah because it's so recognisable you know you, when you, it, it, you tick the boxes in terms of, 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 what, of what a striker looks like and Origi probably is a bit of that as well to some extent but Salah's just so effective um, and that's part of his Party. Yeah, I think that's the word, effective. I mean, I think what sums it up is his penalties. I'm never confident that Salah's going to score <laughs> no, a penalty. He's that good at penalties. he scores every time because he just <laughs> latches it and it goes in. But every single time I know he's going to do that and I go, this is the one where he's going to... And I just don't... He And he'll know every single... You know, he's got the balls to do it in a Champions League final. He just blasts it in. And, yeah. you know, it, but, but that's... And he knows that he's going to score. He's got the belief that he's going to score. And I suppose, in a way, that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that kind of sums it up for me. And then, obviously, there's been a few goals this season and the one on Sunday the second one's more of a scuff shot but you know the one against Everton um, you know where it comes back to him and he just lashes that on the edge of the box like that's the kind of thing that you know that is instinctive yeah. and, and is natural yeah. um, so he does have it in him but yeah you're right for whatever reason everybody just sort of assumes that he misses more than he scores yeah and it does, I mean it comes from us psychologically from us sometimes is that because of that because he doesn't he doesn't tick the boxes of, of what that of that our understanding of what a lethal centre forward looks like it is a bit un, you, you feel a bit unassured whereas we shouldn't but we but it's, it's I, I do, I do think it's natural because look when he runs into the one look at him in the chance where he's one on one against United it's the kind of chance where I, I've seen Fernando Torres run through mm-hmm. and slot that and, but I'm not it's not right look Mo Salah's better than Fernando Torres there's no like it, yeah. there's, it's almost undeniable at this point you know in terms of even like longevity and, 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 and a volume of goals and all that kind of stuff um, but I do I don't know what you know would I trade that you know what? What am I looking for? You know, I, I, I want the, I want it all, really. But you look, yeah. but look at but look at look at Haaland at, um, at Dortmund. He's another one. Like everyone can see how effective he yeah. is, but he's so weird. Yeah, he's such a weird football. He would probably do all our heads in if he played. You know, if he played for us, but he would score 
400 goals in, in doing Absolutely. it and we'd probably be fine as long as we somebody win said here that storage was an absolute finisher and I, yeah storage was <laughs> yes. the one for me when i think about yes. it now like all all the lovely looking finishes that daniel storage would score yeah. um but that's obviously that's all well and good if you if, if you're only available for a few weeks of no, the season that's but, but that's exactly what he was good at doing yeah no i completely agree with that you're dead right on that daniel storage is the best best most recent example of that of what what's most salary able to do he, get, he gets on the pitch 50, 60 times a season, he scores, he's, our, he's always our top goal scorer, he's always in contention for the golden boot in, in the Premier League, he scores goals in Champions League, he scores goals in big games, you know, whatever people might say about it, even in a world where people tried the best to shut him out of those those kind of situations. When you need to, he'll bomb back and and, and, and help out his full-back, you know, and he'll, and he'll do loads of dirty work for the team. And and if worse comes to worse, when he can't play, he'll put a really inspirational slogan on a t-shirt and then go in there <laughs> and then go and sell loads of merchandise for us. Um, the um, <laughs> right, we're going to move on to look at the fixtures list in a moment. Uh, we had a super chat from Scott Hawks. Thank you so much, Scott. Says it's nearly three a.m. and I have work in the morning, so we'll watch later and sleep and dream of the season we would have had without the pandemic. But there are still great games to come. Cheers, all. I agree with all of that, Scott. In fact, it's interesting because you know the, we're, we're done. You know the FA Cup is is no more. I do think that Liverpool wanted to. Um, I think Liverpool wanted to to go deeper in the FA Cup, Emma. I think it's telling that we put a strong side out against United. But the you know the one thing that we had in our in our minds when we were looking ahead at the fixture list was very much the what would what would now be the West Ham game sandwiched between Manchester City and Leicester at the start of February and that was a a little note for concern for us. I still think this team performs better when they when they're playing two games a week, you know, until I get shown evidence otherwise. You know, this team does do well in that kind of cauldron, but um, it means there's no excuses. There's no, you know, at this point now, Liverpool should be ra- random injuries notwithstanding, of course. Um, there's no reason why you can't go as big as possible on, on both of those games. Yeah, I mean, I disagree slightly on, on the FA Cup thing because I'm not... I'm not even sure whether Klopp wanted to do well in the FA Cup. I think it was a case of he wanted to do well against Man United and he wanted to build some momentum. Yeah. And I think you, you raise a good point there of, of, I think the team just needs to play some games just to build that momentum. So I, I think whatever the competition, you know, had been, if it was, you know, the formation cup, I think he would have wanted to win the game just to build that momentum. Um, so I, I think that was probably the most disappointing thing from from my point of view was was not having that opportunity. But I think you're right. I think, you know, given the fixture list coming up, I think obviously, you know, Tottenham next, that's going to be a really, really important game in the league. And um, it would have been nice to have gone into that game with a victory, with a bit of momentum. But as we've said, I think the performance against United gave, you know, lots of promise and lots to kick on from, you know, going into that Spurs game. And then, Looking at the at the fixture sort of schedule ahead, it it does look quite quite favourable with you know with the fact that we haven't really got those those other games to sort of worry about now. But I think as long as as long as Liverpool sort of start to build some momentum, um, I think that's that's the key. I think that has to be essential now. Yeah, it's, it's an easier conversation, is it, Chris? If we if we were on the back of any sort of win, because um, the moment you just want you, Liverpool just need to keep playing until until that point. You know that's that's what it's got to be though. It's got to be a hope when you when you've you've got Man City. So you got Brighton on the Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday the third, City on the Sunday the seventh, and then you've got a full week break between then and Leicester. You know, if the league, the the league was always the priority, I think. But it's got we've like we were saying on the final word show or the build up show. To be fair, 
there's no more distractions now. You've got the Champions League starts just after the Leicester game. You've got the Leipzig game. And that's, you know, Liverpool have got their two focuses now. And there's no more, I said, there's no more excuses left. There's no more distracting conversations about whether we do or do not want the FA Cup. They've got no. They've got to go hard in absolutely every game between now and the end of the season. Yeah, and it's do or die time, isn't it? That's what that's what Liverpool are in right now. You know, until we can claw back some points on everybody else, if we can claw back those points on everybody else, it's it's must win games each and every week, and it's must win games twice a week for the most part. And I like the fact that the way the fixture lists turned out, I'd rather be in the FA Cup. I'd rather be in with a shot of winning that as well. But we are where we are. You know, it's two games a week. Liverpool are going to be able to get that rhythm and that balance together, hopefully, and then you get a bit of a break. And it, and it's a six-day gap rather than a seven-day gap, so it's not a full week. And then you go two games a week for a few weeks, and then you get another seven days. That feels kind of perfect for me, because what you don't want to be is you don't want to be two games a week forever. Mm-hmm. You need a break. So four games, five games, six games, back-to-back, two games a week, and then a break, and then go again. And you can build that fitness up for those individual sort of little short runs. So I think Klopp will like that. I think Klopp will respect that and understand exactly what he's got to do. He now knows exactly what he's got to do as well. There's no more up and down here. You know, he, he he's not reacting to things. He's not reacting to fixture changes anymore for the next two months. He knows exactly where he's going to be and they're going to be able to plan properly without no, and knowing that that plan isn't going to deviate for any type of a cup game or any type extra time or whatever these things happen that we have been going through. They're all over and done with. We know exactly where we'll be, when we're going to be there and how we're going to get there. And now's the time to put put the plan into place and execute. Yeah, my 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 slim hope in this because obviously Man City are the team to beat at the moment. Ben, you know they're flying. They've, they've they've gotten over their rough patch. They're the team. They're the, you know the, the the form team alongside Man United, of course. But City are still the ones that I always have a closer eye on because why wouldn't I? They've been the best team in the country for a number of years now. The fact that they, pardon me, just had that very little. There's a very brief moment in the FA Cup at the weekend mm-hmm. where they're a goal behind, and you know they sh- it's a game where they should have been. I think it was it Cheltenham, Cheltenham League, League away, two yeah, at this. Yeah, yeah. You know they should have been absolutely waltzing that. They had a couple of other random players in there, but by and large it was still miles better sides. And they did start. They did start to struggle, and they were struggling to create you know cast iron opportunities. And is there a bit of f- fatigue and all that kind of creeping in? You know they're the things that you've got to you've got to hope Hold for. To. Yeah, yeah, no, because look, because City. You know, the, particularly last season, but you know they've gone deep in domestic cups. You know, consistent, consistently, consistently. <sighs> yeah. But it, but it has then hampered them in the Champions League when they've reached the latter stages. I don't. A situation where that happens again is absolutely a okay with me. Yeah, I mean, I think you know if Liverpool aren't going to win the league, you're probably happy with Man City winning over Man United. Um, you know, so maybe that's one way of looking at it. But you don't necessarily. Want um want them to go and do a double or you know a, a treble or anything like that. So for me, you know, with, with the Man City game coming up, it's at home. Um, you know, Man City never win at Anfield, and that's quite a record that I'm quite proud of. So you know, that's something to protect. Obviously, the the, the general Anfield record has gone now. Yeah. Um, but you know, w- w- those are the games and and this stretch of run. So you know, we've got we've got West Ham at the weekend, followed by Brighton next week, Man City, Leicester, Leipzig, Everton. They're the big four for me, you know. We, we've got we've got to try and take some wins out of the next week, mm-hmm. but then you know, with, when you start throwing the Champions League back into the mix as well, and it's going to be interesting to see how he approaches the Champions League. Is he looking at the league picture now and going, you know, we need to either 
jib off one or the other to, to, to maintain our status in the other is we'll definitely the know by the time Leipzig yeah, comes around I think so yeah so yeah. is he looking at the Champions League going well I might as well go well in on the Champions League or is he going well I need to make top four or we need to be bridging the gap to the top four so it's bridging the gap to the top so it is, is Leipzig less of a priority I, it's a very interesting debate well we this had. is this is the thing we were talking about isn't it Chris is that we'll, we need to just get back to the habit of winning football matches because these are all there's too many hypotheticals at the moment in what Liverpool are looking towards the cha- that Champions League game even though it's, it's dead close is miles away it's miles yeah. away because you know particularly where we are in Liverpool form wise and all that kind of stuff there's so many you know minutes to be ground out so many goals to be scored so many points hopefully to be won between now and then and that conversation can definitely be had down down the line but yeah Liverpool have got between you know between now and the end of March there's just so many of our biggest rivals to play that I said this before it's we're midway through the season Liverpool have the still have the ability to define how the season goes for them um, they can't define whether they win the league anymore because because City you know if City just win every game and Liverpool win every game City will win the league and Liverpool won't um, but that's what Liverpool have got to do they've just got to get back into winning games and we can and these conversations will 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 come further further along yeah. and look there's no debate as far as I'm concerned you know, with the greatest respect Liverpool are going for the league and the Premier and the Champions League and that's that and there's nothing that can change between now and then that makes it anything other than that because if Liverpool fall behind in the league. What you go in all on winning the Champions League, just just on the Champions League, and 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 then you potentially miss out on top four. No, that's yeah. that's ridiculous. You've got to the league is is your bread and butter, and you have to continue with the league. Now, with four games to go, there's a completely different, you know, and you're still in the Champions League. You can then start to focus on the Champions League. Yeah, but uh, I, 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 just past the halfway point of the league season, you're never taking your eyes off. The- Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
League. Well, it's six more games of footy to get to the Champions League final, effectively. You know, so even if you were to focus mm. focus on it, you still got to play matches to keep it in shape. This is where I mean, I mean, this is where like PSG fall down. Um, yeah. You know, when they've got nothing to nothing to play for, kind of thing. Liverpool want them. Liverpool actually need to be hungry. Kind of what we were saying. We were saying before about the rhythm thing and you know and and, and form. Liverpool actually just are better when they've got thing a reason to stay on top. Everyone's in it together. You hurt, don't worry. I hurt just as much. Let's go into battle and hurt together. Um, but yeah, again, this all just hinges on Liverpool actually just getting back on the back on the horse sooner rather than later, really. Yeah, and it's a bit of a distraction as well, like switching competitions. You know, players yeah. talk about it, and it's it's difficult, I guess, as a fan because it must be it must be hard for us to kind of understand how much different it is playing. You know, at the, essentially, it's still a game of football, but it is different for the players. Like they do sense it is a different occasion, so it is a nice distraction to be able to play in a different competition. And I think mentally. Let, let's not discount the fact that just a bit of team building. I mean, you know, I know you yeah. can't really go out and explore a new city in this in this climate. You know, things might change as we get to the later stages, if we get to the later stages. But there is something to be said about just not having to go to Kirby and not yeah. having to just be at home and just being able to get out and, you know, you're getting on the road again. And, and that might just be something that, that, that they need just to change. I mean, God knows we all need it at the moment. It's funny because I, I've been saying this a few times. There was a touch of, you know I mean, listen, woe is me. But the... There's a touch of fatigue that does come with traveling lots, but there's no no one who was fatigued with traveling doesn't isn't desperate to get back to traveling now a year yeah. on from not being yeah. able to do that kind of thing. So the, the, there are intangible benefits to just having that complete you know break from from the norm. Yeah, exactly, and just yeah, like you say, just get just getting away from from that environment where it you know at the moment it's 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 been a little bit stressful and it's been all all pressurized. So I I think I think it's only healthy, and obviously it's a competition that Liverpool enjoy. Um, you know they, they've played some really good football in the Champions League over the last couple of years. So and let's be honest here, obviously with you know with Leipzig being up next, um, even even if Liverpool rotate slightly, and by rotate slightly I mean. You know, assuming you've got the likes of Henderson and Thiago fit, you would probably, you know, play, um, you know, Shakiri and maybe Curtis Jones. And even that slight rotation in, in midfield, that's the Liverpool squad is still strong enough, assuming you, you've obviously got fit players, is still strong enough to make a couple of changes against Leipzig and, and still get through. So I think I'm absolutely with Chris. I think you've got to prioritise both competitions because doing well in, in one or the other will certainly have an impact I think on, on, on the other one and I just I just don't think you can afford at this point I mean look if Liverpool end up 20 points behind City and, and you know what I mean then you know it'll all be academic but again I've, I keep coming back to it and I just I just having a, a cursory glance and it's a bit it's looking a bit too far down the road but there's a couple of interesting things just in terms of how everything's scheduled like the FA Cup final is the week before the final game of the season so you know there's just something in that where you know there's a, there's a chance of like one of our one of our United or City could well be in that game mm. and well, that's Leicester. another thing where it's drawn you know their attentions are drawn in a particular way the Champions League final, the what? Or oh, Leicester, yeah. Um, the Champions League semi-finals are, you know, right again, right in the crux of things. Again, and again, I'm getting... nice on the first of May, so I imagine one of the Champions League semi-finals. Might, that well, might even the, even be the, the Champions League semi-finals are set for the 27th, 28th of April, yeah, and oh. the 4th or 5th of May. <laughs> which just, just as a note, when trying to keep an eye on, at the moment, the uh, the League Cup final is scheduled for the 25th. 
Right. So like City could potentially have a League Cup final on the weekend followed by a Champions League semi-final and then they end up in a run where they've got, okay, P- Palace away, mm. Chelsea at home, it, 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 you know, all around those fixtures. The thing is though, if they, if it's like, they are, yes, they're extra games, but obviously they're the interesting extra games. Mm-hmm. So if City are on a roll and it, I don't necessarily think if you're in a League Cup final and you win that and you're in Champions League semi-finals and you, you know, you're doing well in those, you, you don't as a player. I don't feel like you're no, getting extra fatigue. No, 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 you know no, no. I mean? but, but 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 you do. But you, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, Psychologically, yeah, yeah. you yeah. don't. But physically and accumulatively, on a season where you've not had the preseason, yeah, and you know, yeah, and, and yeah. who knows whatever happens in terms of fitness and injuries between now and then. I mean, look at the state of Sergio Aguero. He literally hasn't been the right a, a footballer for a, for a, for a year. Off the you know, with all these things kind of mounting on top of him, and then, but uh, but it also boils down to what I mean is there's games of football where you can't be anything less than 110 percent committed. Mm. So there's every chance that so a player just overstretches, or the you know someone does something mad. I mean, look at Fernandinho getting sent off against Chelsea at the back end of the season because he was doing everything in his power to stop Liverpool from winning the league on that day. You know, they're the kind of moments that happen in these games and all it takes is a red card or a, or a, or a torn hamstring because you've just gone a bit too hard. Go on, Emma. Yeah, it's a cup final. So if City were, you know, to get to like a league cup final and then lose that final, you know, that's that could have an impact on them mentally as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, but Finally, yeah. the final City Spurs, isn't it? So that, that's all done. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so, so you know, that that's still a big game, obviously, to come. It's a, it's a long way off, but... It's, again, it's another thing that we've not really thought about. And, of course, you can't because you need to just see how everything mm. kind of pans out around it. The, the, you know, yeah. the footballing landscape could be completely different by then. It could be City playing for their last piece of silverware, you know, by, by that point. You just don't know because that's how mad the, the, mad, the, mad the season's been. Um, but it is... Is a note that we've never lit, we've never had a season like this in general, and then when the League Cup finals just been thrown into the business end of the season, when normally it's like you can ramp up for it and win it, and you get the high of winning something, and then you can carry that forward. Now you're in, you're in the the, the, the mud and the blood and the slog, and there's a final to play, and it's the shittest of the finals, <laughs> you know. When and you're coming up against Mourinho yeah, in a final, yeah. and it's Tottenham Hotspur, and Mourinho loves that more than that, winning that more than anyone. You know he'll go for it. He'll, he'll 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 make them run through run through barbed wire to get that. So yeah, um, right. Just quickly, we're going to talk about Frank Lampard very briefly. But we um, Ben uh, does the around the league show on the RedmanTV.com every Monday, looking at issues outside the Liverpool Football Club. You uh, chatted to Louis Beneventi, um, Chelsea fan and a long-standing friend of ours, uh, about the Lampard sacking. The reason Chelsea continue to win trophies despite all of these managers losing their jobs was because we had a very, very, very strong spine. I don't know if you guys saw it a few weeks ago. Steve Sidwell did an interview um, when he was at Chelsea. He openly said, when Avram Grant was there, the team ran itself. You know, John Terry, Frank Lampard, Drogba, Czech, Ashley Cole stepped up to the plate and went, this is where we're going. This is what we're going to do. Chelsea don't have those characters anymore. So now we're going to be continuously chopping and changing and chopping from project to project. Tuchel plays a completely different system to Lampard. Um, and we don't have a core. We don't have that, that, that same level of personnel yet. There are players mm-hmm. like Mason Mount, for example, could go on to be amazing. He's probably not going to get an opportunity now with how Tuchel plays. Realistically, I don't yeah. see him getting a chance. Uh, Billy Gilmore, yeah. another player. Tammy Abraham, he's all right, but he's definitely someone who could be in and around the squad and understand it. 
uh, Reese James, all these amazing players that have given been given opportunities and have slowly proved themselves, ebbing their ways into their international squads, are now going to be cut and dry because there is going to be no project. It's going to be chopping and changing different systems every single time. The re- if Lampard had been sacked at the end of the season, if we hadn't hit a certain points tally, we hadn't hit targets, I would understand that. I would understand mm. that because there was a, a level of continue there'd be a level of continuity there'd be a level of you know this this is where we're at we didn't quite hit these targets but there's a foundation there we don't even have an entire foundation he's like i mean it's ridiculous yeah welcome back yes you can check out the full around the league show on the redmentv.com and i say each and every week we do loads of amazing additional content it's the final word shows after every game Uh, we do the reds news roundup show midweek around the league at the top of the week and then we've got a whole bunch of documentary uh, feature length and series and interviews with liverpool legends past and present a whole suite of amazing streaming content just for you um yeah just well let's just talk about it briefly then um I'm amazed, to be honest, Ben, that Lampard actually lasted this long. Um, he was my he was my favourite to get sacked last season, to be honest, because Chelsea are just that football club. It's just mad to see a, a manager that's quite clearly well liked by the fans. Yeah, normally it becomes toxic. They decide to turn, and they're also conditioned that managers only get one bad season and they need to get launched. So it's it's a it's a very very familiar Chelsea situation, but in a completely different way. Yes. Um, I- it, it didn't surprise me in the sense that you're talking about. It did surprise me in the sense of uh, funny timing. Um, you know, we got we got Louis on yesterday, and just just on that show, like he came on at short notice yesterday to talk about it, and he was so gutted. Yeah. And like you know, so real credit to him because he come on and he just he just spoke from the heart. Well, imagine so us sacking Gerard. Well, yeah, would, yeah, yeah. But after so, so, but we're different. So we we wouldn't have sacked Gerard yesterday yeah, in that yeah, situation. Yeah. And that's I think that's what is frustrating Chelsea fans at the moment because I think and I said this to him on the show. Chelsea Chelsea needs to change Chelsea needs to evolve as a club they need to change the model in the sense of for the last 15 years the the way that they have dealt with managers has served actually served them pretty well they've they've had a manager in for two three years if that they've won a few trophies and as you say when it's all gone sour they've they've they've, they've jibbed them off and moved on to the next one they've won a fair few league titles under that mm-hmm. but I think what Chelsea needs to do now is they need to look at Liverpool and Manchester City and um, you know maybe Tottenham is a bad example but they were starting to they were somewhat starting to build something under Pochettino. Leicester's another one where it, it. I don't think it's necessarily possible to do it overnight. Now, mm-hmm. I think I think you need to look at more of a long-term thing. And I think what Chelsea were looking at here was this is what they thought that was. That that they thought that Lampard was the answer, and they thought that he'd been given all this money in the summer to 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 build. And you know, okay, if it wasn't going to go as well this season, you know, they'd, they'd have a look again. And the club have let them down again in that sense. They've they, the club have gone. Oh no, that isn't what this is. And suddenly they're back to square one. I give I give Thomas Tuchel two years. Yeah. It's going to be the same thing. Yeah. If you were gonna if you were if they were gonna change the model and if they were gonna go for something more long term, Frank Lampard was gonna be the man to do that. Thomas Tuchel. I don't think is. Yeah, it, it is. It's just one of those things. I mean, because I get it. Like, you know, Chelsea ninth in the table. They spent a ton of money. But it was just... Yeah, they had a good thing going last year. You know, they they were they were in the face of the transfer ban. They were promoting youth, and it was doing quite well. And it was a great feel. It was a very un Chelsea like season in that regard. But it's mad because, particularly given what Solskjaer's doing with United, 
you know, we've had this notion that you need to be, say, you need to have the best team, best squad, best run football club, and the best managers to be the top. Um, and maybe that, maybe in some regards, that the fact that they're not doing better is a thing. But like, they bought so many players in the summer, and the idea that they were all going to gel and fit overnight—it was always going to take time for this team to get up and running. But maybe they're just thinking it's it, Frank Lampard's just taken—I don't know—fallen on his sword for them to go and get a better manager in to get better out of the things that they've got available to them. Yeah, um, I think it's—I think it's both surprising and not surprising at the same time. I think you know what Frank Lampard did last season, getting them fourth place with that team with that transfer ban, brilliant. Um, what Frank Lampard's done this season, not brilliant. So Chelsea have sacked him. They do what they do. Yeah. The, the thing that the thing that you've got to remember when you think about Chelsea is they've pretty much burned through every top manager. Yeah. They can possibly attract. So when one of them suddenly crops up on that list, I think it was important that Chelsea go and get him. Yeah. Because they've gone through all the others. You know what I mean? And I don't think Frank has spent particularly well. And that's not to say that those players won't be brilliant, but he's not utilised them well. Um, so the likes of Werner, the likes of Havertz and getting a tune out of them, there, ha- there hasn't been any notes really that he can do that. Yeah. So... To, for a uh, Chelsea just going to change in regards of well we're just not going to spend money anymore and we're just going to do it with youth players because that's all Frank has proved right now that he can yeah. do he hasn't yeah. proved that he can spend money and get get a tune out of those players yet and he wasn't given the opportunity to in fairness yeah but you know as a complete neutral Chelsea have gone and got a better manager and that's yeah. probably better for them in the long term yeah and a manager that's done learning on other jobs that's been at top clubs and understands the pressures there. It's great. Frank's been at a top club. He has absolutely played football at a top club. He's never led a top club. He's doing his learning on the job and he's making mistakes and Chelsea can't afford to be out of the Champions League to keep themselves at the top. So on one hand, I feel a little bit sorry for Frank because I think in three years' time he could have proved himself a very, very capable coach. But on the other hand, no one can sit here and tell me they haven't just got a better manager. Yeah, I think well, Chelsea look, took a big gamble in the in the, the summer, Emma, and a lot, a lot of that was residual from you know not being able to spend the money previously. So they you know they, they would look to steal a march, and I think that was their plan. I think that's where they went big. They went right. We're going to capitalise now on on a, a situation where no one else can really spend, and we're going to jumpstart ourselves and get ourselves up there. Um, there's nothing wrong with the players they've got, but I, it doesn't feel like they would ever. They were, I don't think they were bought for a system. I think it's a bit. A bit scattergun. They've just gone. Who are the best age? Who are the best in this bracket of age twenty to twenty four that we can get in here? Because that there's no doubt a good coach will come in and with time will make that a re- their squad is brilliant. It's absolutely yeah. brilliant. But yeah, it's just that thing. They clearly just don't think it's Lampard. But again, when you again I look at Solskjaer and think I didn't think it was Solskjaer, but they've actually he should have gotten sacked at some point, but they've stuck it out in the top of the league. Yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot that's been said. I, I actually think I think the initial mistake was bringing Frank Lampard in as, as manager in the first place because I don't think yeah. he was ever ready for it. So I think that was the first mistake. Um, I agree with Chris. I, I think he showed what he could do last season, and he's shown what he can't do this season. But I also agree he needed more time because you can't you can't spend the money and bring in the players, you know, as you've said, with that kind of quality and you know, expect there to be you know harmony and unison in the, in the training rooms. And I also agree with what Ben said in terms of the model. And I think I actually said this on, on one of one of your shows, Ben, I don't know, a year or two back now, where I said that I think there was a ma- massive problem at Chelsea where it seemed to be the players who directed um, the, you know, the route of the club. And I think that seems to have 
taken place. You know, you, you read in reports that came out yesterday where it was senior players who weren't happy with, with game time because young players were, were, were getting ahead of them. And that seems to be the case again, where it, it's kind of the dressing room which is leading decisions and having an influence on what happens at the board. And I think that, for me, is still a massive problem at Chelsea. And yes, you know, those egos and those personalities in the changing room have won them trophies in the past. But I think those egos and personalities now, they're not of the same quality of John Terry or Frank Lampard or, or the likes, you know, that Chelsea have had in the past. Uh, those those, ego, those egos don't deserve to necessarily be the first names on the team sheet. And I think Frank Lampard showed that with with the way that, you know, he got those those youth players playing for the badge and playing for Chelsea last season. So um, I think he needed more time. As I say, I think it, I, th- I, I think Chris is absolutely right. They have gone and got a better manager now. But that's not to say that Frank Lampard doesn't have the capability to be a better manager in the future. And I think that's that's the key thing here. The, the Tuchel thing's just a bit mad for me. He's just, I mean, he is be- he's better than Frank Lampard. Yes, you know, he's done more as a manager. Yes. But he's another one of those managers in that floating, he's floating around at the moment, and Gerard's going to end up in that category eventually. Brendan Rodgers was sort of in it. Mm-hmm. Now, now I'm not comparing the Scottish league with the French league, but I am also in some regards <laughs> in that you know you go and manage a club that's guaranteed to win your domestic league, and you work with some good players. So he's got he's been given that top flight experience. He's won a couple of leagues and a couple of trophies along uh, along the way. But I wouldn't say he was like a. And outstanding, but then I mean, well, I yeah, that's but a, maybe, a nice maybe that's maybe that, yeah. It's, I was just going to say that it's a, it's a nice stepping stone for him in that way. I think you know maybe Pochettino's gone there right now to to do the same thing. You know, to to yeah. get a couple of trophies under yeah. your belt, maybe have a few good Champions League runs and sit and see what happens. You know, I think um, uh, Tuchel followed a similar progression to Klopp. He was obviously he was at Mainz and he did very well there, and he didn't he, he underwhelmed a little bit at Dortmund. Obviously, he was manager when we played them in the Europa League that year, and then obviously he moves on to PS. And, and PSG are a funny one because you know you can get you can get managers there who who can go on to be top managers, but by the same token, Umay Emery you know won won league titles with PSG. Mm-hmm. You know he goes to Arsenal and it kind of falls flat on its face. Yeah. So it's it, it is a little bit of a look of the draw. But what you would say that with Tuchel is that he you know he, he gets into a Champions League final and I think that's the measure of success with yeah. PSG. He's taken he's, he he got so close to winning it all, but he has seemed to have taken them to that next level on a European stage. As well, so I think that is maybe that's something that Chelsea are looking at. Yeah, it's been interesting stuff. Um, yeah, interesting development, nevertheless. Um, yeah, just just the last sort of. He's well, he's also managed big personalities. Yeah. If the problem at Chelsea's squad right now is that the the, the big players are causing issues and have them for a, a, a period of time, the senior players. I mean, come on, Neymar. There's literally no worse player in the world to probably manage as yeah. as far as a fella throwing his his dummy out the pram type of thing. So I I totally understand the Thomas Tuchel thing, and it's not to say, by the way, that because uh, I agree with what Ben was saying about the 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 problems at Chelsea are probably coming from chopping and changing all the time but also they're probably the only side in world football that's done that and won trophies you know we're two years away from them winning the Europa League you know whatever we think about that that's a big competition we're probably four or five years away from them winning the Premier League um, so so there are things that Chelsea don't do right but there, th- this could still be them changing tact this could be them building for the long call and thinking we've got a better manager to do that right now than, than Frank Lampard so and, and also, just to bring this back to Liverpool slightly, because I think it is quite interesting with a lot of people talking about FSG, 
would you like to be owned by somebody like an Abramovich who changes managers on the whim, who who doesn't respect the club's traditions? You get rid of one of your all-time greatest players on a couple of months of bad form, but has loads of money. Just an interesting one to put out there. Didn't we do that? <laughs> we haven't asked. I didn't ask to do that. Um, yeah, no. I, I take you take your point. I, I, I get you right because thing is, Chelsea fans aren't happy, and they win. They've been win, They were winning stuff and not happy. You know what I mean? And I think you know it's about it's about deciding what you want your football club to be this, and being happy different. with whatever it is. Chel- Chelsea fans are normally hustling a manager out the door themselves. Conte and Sarri. Sarri yeah, both of them. That, you know, they're, they're yeah, they're, yeah, 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 that's it. Um, but but this one with Lampard, you know, Louis, Paul Louis comes on the show yesterday. He's just forlorn with grief, you know. And yeah. and I think it comes down, you know, the, the club legend bit is an extra thing. Um, but I think I think a lot of them, I, I think they're bored. Yeah, it is. It is. They're bored now of the way that they want to do. They want something that's a little bit more of a dynasty. Well, they had something that had something wholesome. To get stuck yeah. into with Lampard, didn't they? And with, with finally all this, all this, all the stick they've been getting for buying all these players and loaning them out and doing all this kind of stuff, and they were they were being told that it was like a, a way to like you know to safeguard youth development for Chelsea. Whereas really we knew it was all a, 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 a vicious cash grab to try and kind of create this gen, you know generate this system of moving players on and buying and saving money here and there. But when when Lampard's left with no choice but to use these lads, it's like. It's all the plans all coming into place. Like, oh, maybe this is what it was all for. No, it wasn't. It was all a terrible, terrible cash grab. Um, and now we're going to see Chelsea go back to, to being that. They've gone out and they've bought. They've bought their next generation of Galacticos, mm-hmm. and now they need someone good enough to to match that level and manage the egos and get them back to what they do. I hope it fucking fails. Um, <laughs> right. Um, just lastly, uh, Gareth Baird sent in the super chat saying, "Stop writing us off. Look where City was last month." Um, yeah, and and it's an interesting point because we go to the Tottenham Hotspur game, Lou on the Thursday and um, Ben it's just you know not to you know, can't help but repeat myself because it is what it is Liverpool need to win a game of football but I, there's a there's a, an interesting sort of like comparison to the last time we played them really except for the fact that it's put us top last time which it yeah. won't this time around but it's another example of it's a big game of football if Liverpool turn up and do the business then they get the season right back on track um, but because it's a big game of football and because it's that style of play and all that kind of stuff it's, it, there's every chance that it won't go yeah. our way that's football if you want to be on top, you've got to beat as many of the teams in front of you as yeah, possible. Absolutely, and you know we're getting in. We're, we're at the moment, whether or not in the long term this becomes a top four race or a title race is irrelevant. Right now, we're in that mix of teams that you know. There's obviously a few teams below us with games in hand, and you know we're, we're going to be pushed out the top four if we don't start winning games immediately. I'm actually going to make a similar comment to what I made about last week because you know now that we're we're still not winning games of football, everybody knows that the team that you want to come up against is a Jose Mourinho side <laughs> yeah. away from home. So yeah. you know that this is going to be a tough one. Um, now I, I do think that sometimes obviously Mourinho's approach change differs slightly when you. Play Playing away and, and at home, I think you know when when you go away, I think he's, even his Man United side would come out a little bit more. You know, I think Mourinho likes to go away to top teams, likes to go to Anfield and and City and Stamford Bridge and, and really sit in mm-hmm. and, and get a point that way. So it might it might be slightly different. And also, you know, uh, to to plug the around the league again, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had Ben Haynes on from Ninety Minutes, who's a big Tottenham fan, and we were talking about the fact that. You know, now he's got the players who are world class in terms of Son and Kane. His play, his style of play, can develop a little bit. He can play 
I, I said at the time, there's a fine line between low block and counter-attacking. Mm-hmm. And Mourinho, with the players that he's got at his disposal, can edge on the side of counter-attacking now rather than having to sit in like he does against Man United all yeah. the time. When he's got the pace of Son and Mora and you know, like, and then Ben highlighted the work of Ndombele in midfield and that's what I'm going to do my tactical preview on today. Like He's got these players now who can play more expansive football than maybe what you're used to from Mourinho. And, and you know, the thing is as well, Emma, that, you know, Mourinho's ethos is based on draw away from home so you're undercutting your rivals and then and then win at home. Mm. And so I don't see that Spurs will necessarily be ultra defensive in this game. Hey, listen, they might choose to do that because look, you know, the, the template's been set in recent weeks. But I would I Ben says I wouldn't they're not gonna be they're not gonna try they're not gonna do what West Brom did where they literally put eleven men behind the ball for sixty minutes. They will still do a very similar thing. It'll be I, I just I can't ever feel it's gonna be quite similar to the Man United game at the weekend in that regard. They've got players who will naturally want to try and have the ball and try and attack and what have you, but they're just gonna be very defensively resolute. So yeah, it I, I don't think this is quite the you know Liverpool having you know 80% possession and spending 90 minutes banging on the door um, it should be a bit of a better football game um, and if it comes to that then that, that could well be a good thing for us yeah I agree and I also think Liverpool in the last few seasons have been very very much the big favourites going into that game whereas now you, you could argue that, that that Spurs are a little more you know level level playing at the moment given the current form and the positions that both teams are in in the league so I think Spurs themselves will have more confidence and they themselves will want to get on the ball more and as you say play a little bit more so um, I do think it will be a good game of football um, I still think you know given the bursts of you know, quality that we saw against Manchester United. If Liverpool continue with 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 that kind of you know freedom and creativity, then I I still think Liverpool will have too much for Spurs. But they they have to turn up. I you know I think I think if Liverpool are, any, are anything less than sort of eighty percent, then then I think I think Spurs will will absolutely take advantage of that. Yeah, I I just feel like we've been building towards a win here. You know, the last few was, and it's either that Liverpool are genuinely dreadful and there's a massive, massive, massive underlying you know. Problems across the board, or the positive thing is you look at what we've been getting. That Liverpool have been getting better and better and better, and this might be the game where it finally does click and we score the goals and stop conceding them as well, or maybe just score more goals than the opponent. But Dale Time's going to tell on that one. Um, right, listen, thank you so much for listening to the podcast this week. Thank you so much for watching the podcast if you are live on YouTube. And yeah, if you want more content from us, do go and check out the whole host of amazing things we've got for you on the RedmenTV.com. As if you want a little bit more chat around the Chelsea Lampard stuff, and especially go check out around the league uh, which was excellent this week Uh, right thank you guys thank you for joining us Uh, we'll be back with another Red Men podcast next week